This is Deacon Mary, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. Good morning, everybody. It really is a joy to be with you this morning, especially after the week we've had. I live down in Orlando. I actually live right in between Orlando and the Space Coast, right in the middle. And so you can tell I was sweating bullets. I mean, I just was seeing dollar signs as this hurricane was coming north. And uh, I work at Canterbury Conference Center, and I run a gap year Bible school for 20-somethings, college students. They come to Canterbury, and we go through the whole... Bible together in 10 months, and as the storm got closer, they got more and more excited, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with you people? You know, why are you excited? I'm sweating bullets, and, uh, and you know, ironically, did, did anybody read the morning prayer reading for yesterday morning? Okay, well, it was, it was the story of Jesus asleep at the boat when the storm is raging on the Sea of Galilee, right? And I'm reading this on my front porch yesterday morning after my house is in one piece. I had no damage at all. And, you know, we just bought this house a year ago and a new roof and new paint on it, new siding, that kind of stuff, uh, shutters. And, um, you know, I'm reading, I'm like, what? man, I know exactly why Jesus was asleep in this boat. He, he didn't own the boat, you know? I mean, it was like, it was like... It's Peter's boat, you know? Or maybe, maybe they, like, rented it from Bethsaida Boat Rental. I don't know. He's, like, not worried about it. Peter's like, wake up, man. I've got a lease on this boat. You know? <laughs> Help. <laughs> but anyway, we got through it. And um, so I was just seeing dollar signs, though. And, that, and that's, that's actually what we're going to talk about this morning. We're talking about dollars. Um, you are on the, in the second week of your stewardship campaign and and here I am and and don't worry I will not give you a guilt trip I know the interesting feature about this church is if you sit too far in the back you can't escape for the exits you got to come forward and go out this way so like the perfect spot is like 10 rows up that's nice well done (laughs) make some come forward anyway but here's what I'm hoping for this morning Um, I'm hoping that as we talk about stewardship that you will be not guilted but wildly encouraged I mean, that, that really is my aim, and, and I have one thing to say to you of substance this morning, and, and this is it. I, I hope that when we walk out of here this morning, you feel like one of the wealthiest people in the world. Because you are. And, and I'm not talking about Western Christians as opposed to uh, global Southern Christians or, or Eastern Christians. I'm not even speaking financially. What I'd like to say to you this morning is that as we sit in here to proclaim the reality of a resurrected Jesus, what we're really proclaiming is that in Christ, God has met our one true need. In Christ Jesus, we sit here as people who's who really have no needs in a spiritual sense. That's the truth of the gospel. And what I want to do this morning is just revel in that. Just, just meditate on that for a few moments together and, and, and then talk about giving from that heart and in that place. And I would pray and hope 
that as you consider your stewardship pledge for 2017, that you would do it from a heart and perspective that says, God, you've given me everything I could possibly want. You're calling me into this eternal weight of glory that is so much better than anything I'll ever experience here on planet Earth. It's a small thing for me to turn open hands and let you mess with my finances. It's a small thing, God, compared to what you've done for me in Christ Jesus. So we're going to look at the passage from 2 Timothy this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or uh, maybe just use your uh, leaflet in your, in your bulletin. Paul writes this little letter, uh, 2 Timothy, to, um, to a young pastor named Timothy who's living in this town of Ephesus. And the background ground of the story is this, that Paul's probably in prison and he's probably facing a near death and he's sort of like writing his last instructions to this young pastor, Timothy. And, and, and I, I just love what he says here in chapter 2. Let, let's look there together at the beginning of your reading. Because um, you're going to see the good news right here in, in, in the first verse. Chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, Timothy. Timothy, this is really all I want you to know. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead. A descendant of David. That is my gospel. You guys know what the word gospel means, right? It means good news. And we have the best news that anybody would have in the whole town of, where are we? Ocala, right? <laughs> I've never been to Ocala. It's nice. There's actually hills here. I like driving this morning. I'm like, it was dark. I'm like, is that a hill? I think that's a hill. Oh, my gosh. I'm from uh, Western Carolina, and I just moved here a year ago, and I am not used to this flatness or the hotness. But uh, we're getting used to it in Jesus' name. Anyway, um, aren't we God? Yes. See how much I love you? Right? Uh, all right. Uh, you think giving your money's bad. Try moving to North Car- from North Carolina to Florida. Yeah, it's, it's worse. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, look, at the, look at the passage here. We have a God, you guys, who has met our one true need. And it's, it's just this, that the gospel proclaims that we have hearts who are eternally separated from the Father because of our rebellion. We have a need that we can't meet ourselves. And Jesus Christ in the gospel has meant it for us. He has given us resurrection life, an eternal weight of glory that absolutely is better than anything we'll experience here on planet Earth. I mean, let's continue in the passage. And it should motivate us. And look what it does for Paul. We'll get back to this in verse 9. But look what it, how, how it motivates Paul in verse 9. For which I suffer hardship even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of God's elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I mean, think about that for a second. Eternal glory. Never-ending Goodness. An inheritance that's been purchased for us, completely apart from anything we'd ever do to earn it, that's equally available to every single person in this room, no matter your social status, your ethnic background, or anything you'll do from this point forward morally. And it's good. It's so good. Now think about this for a minute. 
I don't think it's possible to be the type of generous people that God wants us to be if it doesn't come from a place of understanding the depths of his generosity towards us in Jesus. And I'll say it again. I really don't think it's possible to exercise the kind of generosity that God wants us to exercise. It's impossible to say, yes, God, you can mess with my finances. You can have my time. You can have my talent. You can have my stuff. It really is tough to do that unless it's legalism. Unless it comes from a heart that understands how generous the Lord Jesus has been to us. He's lavished on us a kingdom that we don't deserve. I mean, I've been sitting here the past hour and a half or so in the two services and looking up at that crucifix. And, and I, I really like that. that. You know, the technical name for that is Christus Rex, I think. And we're saying something theologically by putting a crown and a robe on Jesus as he sits on the cross. And this is what we're saying. That you know what that accomplished for us? An eternal kingdom that no cancer can eliminate, no storm can blow away, no sickness, no job loss can lose. And and Jesus has invited us to participate in it free of charge. And it's ours. We have full assurance that we will enjoy that king's kingdom forever. And in that sense, we're the wealthiest people in the world. And when we get to that place in our heart, it becomes a, a trivial thing for us to say, okay, okay, God, well, what would you have from me right now? Uh, of these things that are passing, God, what would you take for your glory? And how would you have me invest my resources in such a way that those folks who are not here this morning would come and understand the fullness of the kingdom of God in the way that we do, in the way that we can? That's stewardship. Stewardship, in my, in my understanding of it, comes from a thankful heart. That's the center of it. Not a guilty conscience but a spirit of gratitude as we just live in to this thing that Jesus has done for us. I pulled some statistics for this uh, talk this morning. You know, I'm in seminary, and they always tell you, like, all right, got to have some statistics for your, for your message. So lest my preaching professor be in the back, i got to stay. I don't think, I don't, even, I don't even have a preaching professor. I don't know if we're going to have one. Uh, but i got a statistic anyway, okay. Uh, this, this one comes from the Barna Research Group, which is... Um, responsible for doing all kinds of Christian research on, on, on things Christians do and, and don't do. And, and, and the Barna Group did a poll of giving in, in 2012, and they pulled people who are self-identifying themselves as born-again Christians. Okay? So these are people who are saying, yes, I, I, at some point in my life, have made some personal faith confession to follow Jesus. I've been born again, whatever you think that means. Okay, check the box. And of those people whether they're evangelical or not, cross denominations, it doesn't matter. Barna found that 12% of them tithe. Yeah. Which I actually was surprised as to how high it was. But I think here's what I'd like to say to you. We got one in ten people, statistically, born-again Christians, who are willing to part ways with 10% of their material possessions. But here's what I think that really says. 
I think we have potentially one in ten or even less of, of those of us in this room who are really living in to this sense of deep gratitude and appreciation for the riches of our inheritance in Jesus. I mean, do you think those two things could be created and related? One in ten, maybe one in ten in this room that gets up in the morning and says, God, thank you so much. You've given me a kingdom that I'll never outspend. I can't draw the bank account down to zero. It's mine, and I didn't earn it, and I'll enjoy it for forever. And it is so much better than anything I'll ever receive here. You know, I mean, sometimes we think, you hear preachers say from the pulpit, like, okay, give to God and he'll give back to you. You know what? That's true. But I think it has so much to do with eternity and less to do with now. God will give back to you now. But the ultimate and pinnacle way that your Father has given to you is an eternal kingdom that we're just experiencing the first fruits of now. That we'll enjoy forever. And I'm looking forward to it. There will be mountains in heaven. (laughs) Or, Or I'm not going. There will be. I mean, it's, a, it's another topic for another day, but I think we have an, an incredibly low view of heaven in our, in our culture. It is not clouds and harps and angels and a never-ending sing-along with God. There will be singing. But it's a perfect, real, tangible place where everything sad comes untrue. Where we enjoy the riches of fellowship with Jesus and with His people. And where we have fun. And it's yours. It's mine. Free. And nobody can rob that from us. Let me give you a, one of my favorite passages of Scripture from the New Testament. It's, it's one of my favorite proclamations of the Gospel, too, because Paul, the guy who gave it to us, quotes, he puts the Gospel in a financial context. And it's 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, verse 9, Paul says this, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus. For though he was rich, for our sake he became poor, so that you too might become rich. That's the heartbeat of the gospel. That we have a God who owned everything. He, he, and He left the riches of heaven. And He came and He let Himself be made fun of on the playground. And He suffered a death that He did not deserve to suffer. And He did that so that He could put the crown on His head and say, come into my kingdom, all of you who don't deserve it. So that He could give us the riches of heaven that we'd abandoned in the garden. That's good news, isn't it? And when we settle into that reality, our our things become trivial. We say, okay, God, wow. What can I do with this stuff for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom? Here's my application challenge for you. You know, we talked about tithing last week. And I like what Jonathan had to say. I listened to his sermon. Uh, tithing was, a, was the starting place 
of generosity in the Old Testament, giving a tenth of what you have to the temple priests and service and system. But there, was, there were all sorts of ways that you could go beyond that in an Old Testament context. And I think you gave a number. I'm not sure where you got it. But it seemed like in the, in the Levitical system in the Old Testament that somebody who was really doing all the things that they could do and participating in terms of giving would be given over 20%. I mean, does that scare anybody? kind of scares me. You'll never get to that place if it doesn't start from a heart of sincere thankfulness for the 100% that Jesus gave you. You see the difference mathematically? The 100%. He gave it all. Getting all fired up now like a Baptist preacher. Excuse me. Put a robe on that man. Tell him to sit down. He needs to be more Episcopalian. Here's my challenge. As you pray about this stewardship campaign, think about this. Write a check that's in line with the check that your Lord Jesus wrote to you. And do it as an act of worship. And if you don't trust yourself to do it at home, do it right now. Write a check that, that comes from this place in your heart of sincere gratitude for the fact that you're walking into a kingdom that's going to blow your mind, that is beyond your wildest dreams, and you will enjoy it forever. And from that place in your heart, give back to a God who gave to you first. Now let's pray together. God, we thank you for your generosity towards us. In every way, God, but especially in the gospel. And we see what it did for Paul. He says, I'll put the chains on my life and I will walk towards prison so that others would understand this eternal glory that you've given us. And God, I don't think you're asking any of us to go to prison. At least I hope not. I don't want that from me, Lord. But you are challenging us, Lord, to invest in your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, for everyone in here that, that it, any, any investment that they make would come from such a place of gratitude for the investment that you first made in us that it would be pure joy for them and for you. We do thank you, Jesus, for the lavish generosity that you've shown us. You didn't have to do that, God. We're grateful. Amen. Brothers and sisters, Tom represents the future of the Episcopal Church, and I am one very committed. We are so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you will take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace.